This is Agents Influence Podcast. If you think about MBS and why we exist, what we do, it's giving that local agent confidence and meeting them where they are. Uniquely, we will broker a monoline work comp policy for a minimum premium. There aren't too many other brokers that'll do that. But the reason we do it is because we know that most commercial lines agents, not all of them, but most of them, started out as personal lines agents and then at one point had to make the strategic decision to go commercial lines. And that's just not something you can do overnight. And so we knew that we're gonna have to hold your hand. I'm Jason Cass and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. All right, all right, all right, you loyal listeners. Welcome to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with who? Me, Jason Cass. And today, I am here with Mr. Ted Stuckey, who is the big dog over at Nationwide Brokerage Services, also known as NBS. You know how we are in America today. We got well, probably the world. We got to shrink everything down. We used to make fun of the military that they would shrink everything down to letters, and now we do everything. We do the same thing. You know, it's called actually, Ted, now that I jump right into this, it's called consumerization. Consumerization has been something that's been around for a long time. Um, I used to talk about it a lot back in 2012 and 2013. And consumerization says when the technology of flow starts to reverse its course in its way, meaning things used to always start with the government and then they would then move down to business and then they would move down to us. Think of the computer, think of the fax machine, think of calculators. Calculators were created for military and then got down and it comes all the way down. The thing that's different about social media in the digital era is consumerization and it means it actually flows the other way. Things now are starting, are being created by a 19 year old girl in her mom's basement and is creating things. The story of Canva, what a great story. That's a huge multi-billion dollar company. And this, this woman is just a genius. And she really had no better intentions than just to create some tools that would be better for her. And now businesses use it and the military is now using it. So we see what's called consumerization. So I don't know how I went into that, but it uh, it started that way. I think it was the MBS is what it was. That's right. That's what it was. Before I get going, I want to remind everybody, I am having Indie Tech. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this. Today is August 1st. It's 137. Uh, be sure to go to IndieTech2023.com. Uh, we got an awesome CAO panel. We got some unbelievable classes. Uh, I, I, I really do, and I say this with all my heart. I, I feel sorry for people that are not going to make this event. I loaded it up and uh, we're going to deliver. So anyways, check it out. Indie Tech, that's I-N-D-I-E-T-E-C-H, 2023.com. Ted Stuckey, how are you, brother? I'm all right. Hey, I, I want to say something about Indie Tech before we get into it too far. I think one of the coolest things that's happened in the last, for me, it feels like the last three or four years. I know it's been going on forever, but this community of, I'll use an MBS word, local agents you look around at the number of agents that have their own stuff to deal with. They've got their own business to run. They've got mm -hmm. their own CSRs to, to focus on. They've got their own processes to deal with, their own tech decisions to deal with. But that I may be naive and call it selflessly, but give themselves to the industry and create mm -hmm. these communities mm -hmm. and try to better one another. I, I, 
I don't know of too many other industries where that can happen. And Indie Tech's a great example of it, right? right. You're leading the charge, but the cast of characters you've got around you, mm-hmm. y'all have better things to do. We all have better things to do. <laughs> it's it's um, it's incredible, and and I I'm the lurker on social media, right? So I right. I enjoy watching mm-hmm. the discourse play out, and and I look at some of the names on there. I look at some of the people that that you're able to get involved in things like this. Uh, that that have other podcasts, other podcasts on your network that spend time just wanting Asians to succeed, right. and think, mm-hmm. my goodness. Like you're you're training your competition, but it's a beautiful thing, and I I gotta oh, hand it, it to you and so many others that, like I said, it's I feels like the last couple of years we've really hit this infection point where it's cool mm. to watch. It really no, it really truly is, and I appreciate those kind words. And we do we work really 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 hard. When I started this podcast, a lot of you loyal listeners that have been with me, Ted, when I started it, um, I started it with a mission, and it's still the same mission today. And it's making forward change and momentum in the greatest industry God ever created by giving a voice to those who have no voice. One of the biggest downfalls that we have, and you make, you're so right, Ted. I have uh, a three location agency. I run a virtual employee company. I run agency intelligence. I have a mastermind. I'm not saying I need anything better to do, but as a public speaker, I go around and I go to these, these shows. And in between me speaking or before or after I go to the trade show and there will be 60 to 80 vendors in there and there's less than five every time that are tech companies. And I'm looking around and saying, how are we supposed to meet the customer's demands if we're not willing to take this seriously? And then I started thinking, well, wait a minute, this isn't independent agent's fault. I mean, if they come to these events to learn and it's not here, right? But then you talk to the tech companies like, man, I can't go to every event, which makes sense, right? So there just needs to be one event that we all go to. And I, as I look around for the last couple of years, I'm like, this isn't happening. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I can't see how I lose any less than $20,000 on this event. I, I can't see it. And when I talk to my wife, when we're having wine, sitting out, looking at our back, our back porch, looking out at the, um, at the lake, she says the same thing to me. She's like, what in the world would you do this for? Because I know that there will be a time I'll be recouped in two to three years. But here's the most important part, Ted, before we get on with our podcast. This is so important, okay? This, I mean, this is, this is going to sound like it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a repeat because it is right. This, this, this industry has had me meet people that I never would have met before. It's taken me places I never thought that I would go. It's given my family a life that I never thought that I would ever have. And in 50 and 60 and 70 years, when someone's buying this agency through its third owner from now, or they're buying other agencies or they're getting into this industry, I want them to have those same feelings. I want them to meet people. I want them to go places and I want them to give their family a life they never would have thought because I know the feeling. I know how awesome it is. And I want everybody to, so so when I go out and I lose that money, that's, it's not a loss of money to me. I, I knew going in, you, you know what I mean? You got to take yeah. chances, you know, going in. I mean, Elon knew going in that, 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 that the price of, of Twitter wasn't going to be what it was once he got into it, right? But- you got to stay the focus. You got to keep the vision and just know that the rise of indie tech is coming and uh, we got to be there to meet it. So anyways, man, wow, we got way off. It's already six minutes in and we haven't even talked about Ted. So Ted, here's what we've got going on. This is broker season. 
This is one of the craziest hard markets. I'm telling my producers, my producers look so much up to me, Ted. They, I say something, they're like, oh yeah, and they go and do it, and, and they're just fantastic. But they're coming to me on this hard market thing. They're like, uh, Jason, what do we do here? What do we do here? And I'm like, shit, last time I was in a hard market was like 01, uh, you know, 02, and I was just brand new in the business. And, and I, we're starting to see, we're saying a lot more now, hey, we might want to check with some brokers because I think we might be out of options on this one, right? Or just this line of business. And here you sit in the catbird seat saying, hey, we're willing to help take that business. Is that how it is, Todd? Or am I wrong about that? No, I think, I think you're right. And the, the thing that I keep reminding my folks who, who are having you know, probably similar reactions as, as your producers is the market's not discriminating. Right. The, the, the reality of what any individual producer is going through is the exact same reality as any individual wholesale broker. And we like to say that we're, we're in the business of giving agents confidence. Right. And that, that's all we can do. Right. We can't guarantee that we're going to place something. Um, but at the very least, we can help that agent understand the why. We can, mm-hmm. we can better prepare that producer to have the discussion with their insurer who trusts them with their most important assets about what the heck is going on in the market and what we're seeing. We certainly have a, a perspective that is unique in the marketplace, right? We are tailor-made to focus on those sort of sub three and a half, four million dollar revenue agencies. Uh, I like to call it sort of the bottom 90% of distribution mm-hmm. in, in the market today. And on the flip side, if you look at the carriers we work with, in a given month, north of 400 carriers replacing business with, right? So we've, wow. we've got the perspective of how is a carrier reacting to the type of business that a local agent has, right? Not a big national agent that's got, you know, super unique coastal tower needs that, you know, has a whole different insurance market in many ways that they need to, to think about. But that local agent's business what are those carriers seeing? And it, it's been remarkable from our perspective to see um, not only individual carrier actions, but also some of the more macro trends that um, may stay around for a little while. And it's it's going to change the dynamic of what uh, local agents need to do to protect their, their insureds. But we're in you know, as good of a place as you can be in right now. And I think the important thing is, particularly for those local agents that don't know who MBS is, which is a lot helping them get the confidence they need to work with us and helping them understand that we may have some options that they need at this point. Now, loyal listeners, the reason why I brought them on is, yes, they are partners of AI and different things like that, but specifically we use them. And so that's why I think how Ted really kind of got with us, not only the network and other things like that to get it out, but also he kind of looked and saw that we were using them. And I got to tell you, we get declinations from them. They're just like any other broker. They don't have everything in the world, but they're timely about it. And they're usually pretty good at helping explain if the producer may not want to know or may, if the producer wants to know. I mean, my guys are 23 to 5, 25. And as I'm telling you, this is one of the first hard markets that I've been in where, I mean, carriers are just out there just shutting the doors, right? And I want to make a, a very clear distinction here. Nationwide brokerage services and nationwide insurance are two completely different things, like opposite ends of the spectrum, 
There's some deep roots from way back in the back, but they have nothing to do with what we're going on now because we know what is happening with Nationwide. A Pekin Insurance, a local uh, ta- uh, co- I, um, excuse me, carrier right here in Illinois, uh, one of the greatest, oldest, best companies, literally shutting the book on, on new business. They're a huge commercial writer. They're not taking anything, you know, and I'm not taking auto home. Then they're starting to strip it off. I'm starting to see companies that are starting to raise our business auto rates if we only have auto and in the marine with them, as opposed to five years ago, they were coming to us because that was such a profitable piece. They were like begging us to just peel off the autos from some of our large accounts. Now they're, "Eh, we don't want that, Jason. Rates going up, might want to move it. And, And I get it. I really do. Um... You know, we saw the writing on the wall last year when I think um, State Farm took in $7 billion and paid out like 40-some billion in claims. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, really think about that as any business owner. That, that, that Those economics don't work, you know, very long, no matter how much money you have in the bank. And so, I mean, we're just seeing this, and now it's getting to the commercial lines, and it's crazy. Ted, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Agents are thinking... I'm having problems with my book of business, but I got a lot of different things. Rather than me calling you and figuring out all the ragamarang, Ted, what so far are you starting to see come in that you're starting to say, wow, agents are having a problem with this and we might be able to solve this? Or agents are having a problem with this and we can't solve that, right? I mean, what do you see it out there? Yeah, the first thing that comes to to mind is in the high net worth space. We're getting to a point where I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year, there are on an average high net worth sort of, and we don't like talking about high net worth in, in terms of coverage A, but let's, let's run with it a bit, you know, million and a half, million and a quarter. Okay. You may have one admitted outlet. You may have one admitted outlet. Wow. That's, um, that's crazy to think about uh, because- You guys do that, don't you, Ted? Oh, you yeah. You guys have- Yeah, yeah we, that's have, we, have a, we have a huge high net worth business and- um, that's the part of MBS that keeps me up at night because that's an area where the amount of remarkably good business that is not finding a home is really disappointing. Wow. And obviously you can take it ENS. We've been taking a lot more ENS on the high net worth side that, than uh, we have in the past, but that's a whole different ballgame. And so now what you're seeing is you know, we're losing high net worth business to Main Street standard preferred admitted carriers, some you know captive carriers. Um, there, there was a, a stat once that I don't know if it's accurate or not, but the largest high net worth carrier in the country is is State State Farm. Um, and I I get it because if if you're an agent and yeah you know, you've got you know your buddy's two million dollar lake house and it hasn't had a loss in ten years and you go back to him and say. Hey, not only can I not place it with the carrier we've had for the last 10 years, but I've got to take it ENS. And that's what this means. There's going to be a bunch of you know taxes and fees. And the deck page looks weird because it's got that big bold lettering on the front that says it's not, you know, backed up by the state guarantee fund. He looks at you and he says, No, I'm not doing it. I'm going to go somewhere else because someone else says they can place it. Yeah. That that's scary because you know, having a high net worth product isn't about the house. It's not the size of the house, it's not the contents. It's it's the nuances of the coverage. It's mm-hmm. it's the, the the special types of coverages that you need given an asset mm-hmm. of that size. A and a generally speaking, a standard or preferred sort of homeowner's policy isn't going to give you those bells and whistles. Right. And so that is 
something that, like I said, keeps me up at night because that space needs good capacity. It needs good admitted capacity. And right now, our average submission, maybe two carriers that we're quoting with on the admitted side. And that's, you know, back down from a market that really had four or five extremely strong competitors as recently as, what, two years ago. That's scary. And then the last part of that is a high net worth is a perfect example of why we exist. Most local agencies don't have massive high net worth books. True. It is truly the, you know, the edge case of their book. Now, it may be from a revenue perspective, some of the largest policies they have. So it's right. very important to them, but their producers aren't dealing with this day in and day out. And so they may not have seen this. They may not have placed a high net worth piece of business in 11 months. And now they're coming up to it and they're saying, what is going on? Like, why, why do you need all this stuff to mm-hmm. place a, a, you know, a risk that has had a loss and is, is a great, great risk? Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. You know, also, Ted, it's funny when we start to think about high net worth as being someone who lives in a million dollar or $2 million home. That's what it used to be when I first started. I remember it was like, oh, anything over a million or a million and a half, you got to get, you know, actually, I think it was 750,000, maybe it was a million. And you had to get, you know, the in-house inspection yeah. and inside and stuff. And it just makes you it's like, like, I just got back from Florida. I'm looking at houses. And I mean, I can't not but just stumble upon uh, 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 that has a million dollar or more house, uh, yeah. house, you know? And so it's just like, well, those people, I mean... I'm not trying to say that I'm not, but I mean, I'm looking at an $800 million home. And let me tell you something, folks. No, 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 no. Cass ain't rich over here, okay? That's just what you're going for on a home today, right? If you want a three-bedroom, two-bath, nice home, a decent yard, that's what you're going to pay. But I'm not high net worth, you know? But I guess... I guess it has to do with treaty contracts and and you know and reinsurance. I guess on what they're covered over and I don't know. I mean, it's a lot easier see- to get pre-epic, you know, aggregation risks if you've got a bunch of million and a half, two million dollar exposures in a, you know, in a, in a given zip code or whatever. Well, I can see be. that actually. Good point. You know, the the other piece on that is, and you call out inflation. You've got this wave of homeowners that didn't have a high net worth product two years ago and now are priced out of the standard preferred market because of the replacement wow, costs. I mean, my home, I'm relatively savvy when it comes to insurance. My carrier last year came back and, and bumped my replacement costs up like 40%. I mean, I wasn't trying to be cheap by any stretch of the imagination. And now my carrier, my gut tells me is, uh, you know, on the fringes of probably canceling my policy because there's too many of them in the neighborhood. So um, it's- Where do you uh, live, Ted? I live in Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln, Not a place Nebraska. you would think of that, you know, has uh, j- j- just like you, 
you know, it's sort of the cost of admission in, in many communities these days. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's a huge trend that's, that's impacting local agents day in and day out. I feel for local agents on these high net worth policies because, like I said, oftentimes it's probably their most important relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not the homeowner's policy. It's the fact that, you know, the, one of the, the owners also owns the massive manufacturing facility that you write the commercial risk on. You know, you, they volunteer on a board of a charity that you write the, the DNO on. Like it's, it's the ripple effect of what that relationship means. And mm-hmm. I think that's what far too often as an industry, we fail to appreciate from a local agent perspective. This is not a transactional thing for most local agents. It's a relationship. And uh, all you got to do is look at our book to see one of our most prolific writers of high net worth is in a town of sub 15,000 in Nebraska. Wow. Right? They're writing all the big farmsteads because they're writing the ag, they're writing the crop, and they're writing the homeowners. And suddenly you begin to uh, you know, show some breakage points in that relationship by not being able to place that homeowners. And maybe mm-hmm. they start to question, should we, should we move our you know, commercial property? Should we move that DNO coverage? Should we, is this relationship or the relationship we want? And that's not a position that the industry should be putting local agents in. And obviously, we're trying to do everything we can to make sure that regardless of if it's admitted or not, you've got a solution. Ultimately, you right. need a solution. You've got to have an at-bat. But more so, you've got the confidence to take that solution forward and say, According to MBS, according to my broker who sees, you know, millions of dollars of this business go through its coffers every quarter, this is what the market's telling us. And if you can't do that confidently, it's a it's going to be a tough tough game for you. Well, I'm all over the place in my thinking here because you have some good thoughts like this is something that we need to plan for, loyal listeners and independent agents, right? It's something that's there. First of all, I want to let you know that Ted contacted me last October. He said, Jason, I like what you do. I follow the podcast. I want to create a relationship, create more exposure for MBS. I said, why is that? He said, I think things are going to change. He says, I think that there's a hard market that's already started. It's coming. We need, I got to get out in front of agents. So here he is, and we now know the market. And agents, you know that back in January and February, you didn't know the market was going to be like it is now. Ted did. Now Ted's out here trying to say, from all the companies we deal with, this is where our concern should be. Right. And so then it should be the high net worth. And there's amongst others, but something that Ted brought up. But I want us to think about standard homeowners. I want us to think about our standard autos because he brought up a good point that we have a 10,000 or 15,000. Maybe it's not high net worth home, but yet we insure the uh, business as well. Do we have a plan for if our markets pull out? Right. If 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 we create that break in the relationship, like Ted says, what are we going to do about that? Would it be better to have a plan? If you know that all the other independents are screwed just like you are and you know they're going to go to State Farm, might be time to go meet the State Farm agent, right? So you can kind of talk about what's going on, like, hey, this is my prized possession or prized possession. This is my prized uh, uh, client. I have other business with them, da-da-da, maybe create a relationship so they understand. I I will move you this business if there's certain situations so my client doesn't have to deal with it because they're high net worth and they, they want us to provide that service. I don't know if that works out to your advantage or not, but here's the thing I know. If they're going to do it, you might as well be the one building the bridge. Without a doubt. Without you a need doubt. to build the bridge. So, so I think that agents, you need to get into a room with your team, especially if you're in high net worth or if you're just high in homeowners and auto. 
which is probably most everybody on here. If this happens, what's our plan? Um, and I'll be honest, I say that my own self. I'm going to do that myself, Ted. I haven't, I haven't really thought about that. We've been sending out correspondence to our clients, um, telling them the state of the industry. I mean, they're getting, I, we, I never in my life, I'm seeing 75, almost 100% rate increases. Yeah. I mean, it's the craziest thing. I'm at this party last week with all my buddies. It's our annual swimming party. And I'm trying to tell my friends before we get drunk. I'm like, hey, I don't want you guys making fun of me or not. But I'm telling you, your insurance is getting ready to go up. And since we do commercial, I don't write a lot of them. But I told them, I said, this would be yeah. the time. If you guys ever want me to help you out, I will, because you're going to be getting rate increases. And they're like, God damn, there goes Cass again. I'm thinking, <laughs> all right, man, when your homeowners goes from five to 10, you're going to be thinking of me, you know? So, so I think the, the ripple effect of this is going to be really interesting to play out. I, I, um, I have a hell of a lot of respect for folks who go out, start their own agency, build it, find success, and then you know, have the wherewithal to write about it, to have podcasts about it, to blog about it, to tweet about it, whatever. I love listening to those stories. And I think the appropriate suggestions of, you know, the last five to seven years have been obviously find your niche, right? Identify that target customer, focus on that target customer. You can't go broad and win. You've got to be focused. You do. And then lock in a handful of carrier partners, right? And really, really hone in on who has the right products, who's got that appetite to meet your target customer, to meet that persona and for you to be successful. Now everything's hit the fan, right? Is that going to be the go forward strategy to be successful? Because what if those two or three carriers that, that you went all in on and we all know who they are, um, what if they pulled out? Right? What if they're not writing right now, and, mm -hmm. and you're held with you know a book of business and nowhere to go? And I'm I'm not saying that whether it's NBS or somewhere else is sort of the right answer. But going forward, when the dust settles, because it will, we know it will. Mm -hmm. These are we cycles. Know. Does that change the makeup of an agency? Do agencies now say, "Boy, I got burned, and now I want to have not six relationships. I want to have fifteen. Or I want to have two or three really strong wholesalers that that can back me up because I'm not going to get burned by Carrier XYZ again. And the amazing thing for me was, you know, last last summer, last fall, I feel like we started to see, uh, particularly some of the younger carriers. I'm not going to call them InsureTechs because that's not that's not fair. I don't want to bundle it all under that that name. But some of the carriers that hadn't been around as much uh, for or for as long really begin to start pulling back. We saw some pretty big moves exiting entire classes of business and stuff. And initially my thought was, all right, there's some, you know, isolated instance of maybe irresponsible underwriting, trying to grow too fast, whatever it may be. But now we're seeing the consistent players pull back. The players that are literally world-class underwriters. And what's happening today does not diminish the fact that they're world-class underwriters. Look at, um, you know, Travelers and Chubb. These are these are places that manufacture the best of the best of underwriting talent. Mm -hmm. And it's impacting them too. And that that's the amazing thing with this. So as as you think about sort of the makeup of your agency and who you trust, what carriers you lean, lean in on, does it change? Or do we just go back to, all right, this is a blip in the radar and I was a I was an X, Y, or Z agency before. Now they're back in and I'm an X, Y, and Z agency, and that that's it. And that that may be 
the thing. But I, I do wonder how many of these agencies are going to look around and say, not getting burned again, because right. um, it hurts. And a lot of times the carriers couldn't really do much about it. <laughs> I hate to say that. Uh, I think it's a, uh, it's a intellectually lazy excuse, but um, uh, a lot of this is, is outside of their control. And all you got to do is look at, look at those consistent carriers to, to see that. So, you know, one of the things I always thought about, and this is a good example, but it's a bad example. So we need to get it up at agents. We need to get an action plan. Okay. We need to figure out if this happens, what would be our basis? Are we going to set up any connections with other agents? If that comes the possibility, if we need to move them away from their standard carrier and then we can't find anybody and we have to go maybe brokerage business, MBS is an option, but here's what we did. Okay. Having a lot of brokers, we went down to around three and here's what we did. It's very simple. We went to the first broker and we said, what are your carriers that you offer? We went to the second broker and the third broker and asked him that. And then what we saw it as is a little differently. So if I'm writing a if I'm writing insurance with travelers on an auto and home, right? There's really, you're not necessarily really writing that with travelers. You're writing it with travelers indemnity or travelers of Illinois or whatever. And what we do is we go to them, we submit and then they give us the best product, depending on the company that fits that under the traveler's umbrella. I think we need to look at brokers the same exact way. And that's the way I challenge my team is to say, we should look at them the same way. We should look at them and know that they have five or six carriers, not the same five or six carriers as this broker, not the same five or six as this. But when we know, hey, I'm going to submit to MBS I'm going specifically after these five carriers because I don't need the other ones to then make you guys start to work at MBS. And then we go to the next kid broker and he sends it to the same markets you do. And now it's like, well, we're not trying to be agents aren't trying to be sleazy. We're not trying to play one over what we what we try to do. And I think brokers could help us with this is I know you have four or five markets, but I didn't know you were going to send it to that market. I knew Ted was going to send it to that market, but I didn't know you were. So we try to break it down to those four or five companies they have or a line of business that they're specialty in. We have some mining contractors and railroad contractors. So we use those specifically for that. But we don't use those for anything else. That's just a program business, right? That's nothing like what you're over there. Now, I want to wrap up here, but but Ted, tell them about some of your secret weapons over there on the commercial side that I don't think that they know about with some of the way that they can get to maybe some direct markets on the middle market side. Yeah, so uh, I, I think... Unless that's changed too. No, no. I, we're actually seeing a lot of really good wins on the middle market side right now. It's, it's an area I'm really excited about. Um, mi middle market in general, I would say, is really evolving as a strong point for us, really across the board on the admitted side and then and also onto the, the non-admitted side. You're sort of, sort of run-of-the-mill middle market stuff that maybe you're struggling to get an appointment with one of the large middle market carriers because... As with most local agents, like they don't typically have a, a you know massive middle market book, so it's really hard to get that appointment, or you don't have enough to get a couple appointments, and you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So right. for us, it's it's coming to our middle market team. They're going to have the discussion with you up front about you know who do you have appointments with, who has seen this before. Yeah, here are our options. Here's who we want to submit it to. Um, but there's also some sort of unique offerings that we have. Uh, on the middle market side, particularly around ag, um, that is really growing quite nicely. So, you know, everything from we're struggling with like everyone else with center pivots, 
but you expand out into you know hog confinements, animal mortality. We write a ton of animal mortality. Some of these sort of, I don't know, a few years ago, which would have been considered you know, fringe specialty risks that more and more local agents are dipping their toe in because let's be honest, the ag industry is huge uh, around here. And, and for a lot of agents, it's a really natural uh, rounding out point. So mill market, an awesome suite of products that we have. Also, as you get into the specialty lines, some access to some really, really nice ancillary products, whether it's DNO, ENO, cyber, tech liability, what have you. There's some great offerings there. Um, but really, if you think about MBS and why we exist, what we do, uh, it's it's giving that local agent confidence and meeting them where they are. Um, uniquely, we will broker a monoline work comp policy for a minimum premium. There aren't too many other brokers that'll do that. But the reason we do it is because we know that most commercial lines agents, not all of them, but most of them started out as personal lines agents and then at one point had to make the strategic decision to go commercial lines. And that's just not something you can do overnight. You're not going to get mm-hmm. an appointment overnight with the national carriers. You're not going to get the markets you need. And so we knew that we're going to have to hold your hand. We're going to have to broker these policies until you get big enough to go subdirect through us, until you get big enough to go direct. And once you go get big enough to go direct, you're probably flirting in the middle market space. You're flirting in the specialty line space. And we'll meet you where you're at from a brokerage perspective there. So think of us as meeting that, that local agents needs throughout their life cycle. I would venture to say that 90%, 95% of what a local agent sees, we've got a solution for. Um, and we'd love to at least have the conversation to help you understand our perspective of the market um, and what we can uniquely offer uh, to help solve your problems. Ted Stuckey, by the way, so you're vice president of MBS, aren't you? Yeah, it's uh, I'm a corporate vice president for Nationwide, and I'm the president yeah. of MBS. There you go. That's what it is. I knew it was something like that. <laughs> I didn't know you had the. I don't have the president of. See, it used to be uh, what is it? POTUS, P O T U S, president of the United States. Yeah, or? I don't know if there's a good acronym for there's president not. of MBS. Ponisbum. Yeah, no, it just doesn't sound right. I'm not doesn't there sound yet. Right. Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. Pretty soon, pretty soon, you'll be able to put that U.S. at the end or the T.U.S. You know, you just got to keep working at it, Ted. Hey, and that's what I'm doing. I'm working for you, loyal listeners. Go check out IndieTech2023.com. Ted, I appreciate your phone phone call, your podcast today. You got it. Thanks for having me on. If anyone wants to learn more, NBSBrokerage.com. Boom, boom, boom. Say it one more time. NBSBrokerage.com. Simple as falling off a log backwards. Hey, this is Jason Cass, and I do what I do because I do it for you. Tell me your ideas and tell me your thoughts, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass. He's Ted Stuckey. We're out. Are dropped calls and poor voice quality slowing down your business communication? It's time you switch to a solution that keeps the team connected seamlessly. Introducing Lightspeed Voice, your gateway to a revolutionary VoIP system designed to elevate your business communications to the next level. With Lightspeed Voice, you get more than just a reliable connection. You get 
feature-rich system that adapts to your business needs, whether it's video, conferencing, virtual voicemail, or call forwarding. Lightspeed Voice, they've got you covered. They got my agency covered at the Insurance Alliance. Worried about the transition? Don't be. Lightspeed Voice offers a seamless integration, making the switch to our VoIP system a breeze. Our expert support team, that's what they're known for, is here to guide you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and efficient transition for your business. That's right. But that's not all. Lightspeed Voice is not just a communication tool. It's a strategic investment in your business success. It is. Save on your monthly communication costs while enjoying top-notch service. It's a win-win, and it is. You can put that money somewhere else. Don't let outdated communication systems hold your business back. Upgrade to Lightspeed Voice today and experience the difference. Visit our website or call now to schedule a demo and see firsthand how Lightspeed Voice can transform your business communications. Lightspeed Voice, where every word matters and your business is always in sync. Cass approved.